Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. Good evening and welcome once again to Fight Night on Talk Sport, your home for boxing with me, Adam Catterall. Joined tonight by my trusted colleague from the award winning, multi award winning Fight Disciples podcast, uh, Nick Pete. Evening. Evening, sir. Uh, lots to come on the show. We are going to be speaking to Dillian White. All this rigmarole with a WBC. He's the number one in the division, but yet he's not the mandatory. How does that work out? Anyway, we'll speak to Dills in around about 15 minutes. Marty Murray's going to be on the show ahead of his big showdown with Billy Joe Saunders. We're also going to be speaking to Barry McGuigan at some point in the second hour of the show, ahead of that fantastic fight that was announced this week in June between Josh Taylor and Victor Postol, which is a WBC eliminator. Uh, for the Super Lightweight World Championship. Oof, if you want to get involved with the show tonight, you can do 087172 uh, Text messaging is 81089. I know that's a short text number, and you might think to yourself, we're going to charge you 50 quid every single time you text. We're not. We're very, very kind about that. 81089. But if you're uh, a bit of a cheapskate and you want to do everything for free, you're more than welcome to do it, because that's how me and Nick roll anyway. Uh, at Adam Catterall on social media. So if you're on Twitter or Instagram, at Adam Catterall, ping us your messages that way and we will relay your questions on for whoever we've got on the show or if you've got anything that you just want to contribute and you want to maybe join the debates that we're going to be having over the next two hours here on Fight Night, uh, you are more than welcome to do so. Uh, now then, Nick, at the start of the show normally, mate, I go in and I sell, I'll tell you the big three headlines. You the do. big three headlines of the week. We go crazy in there and we uh, we have a little bit of a tiny debate on each of the three. Uh-huh. Not messing about with that nonsense this week, no, mate. I'm ready to go. No, no, we're not doing three this week because, let's be honest, there is only one talking point. One talking point this week, my friend, and it's a little bit like this. Show me the money. I'll take 50 million up If that's the case... Wildest team, bring me 50 million up front, man. We'll take the fight. Anthony, you know what your man Eddie and Barry Hearn and tell them to check their email. I got something special for you. By the way, all the money's in the bag. Show me the money, as Jerry said. We need to know where it is, when it is. They want total control over the show, which might or might not work. Hansi's got a lot of TV contracts we've got to satisfy, but we're taking it very seriously. And we don't know whether it's a PR stunt at this time or whether it's for real. It's a bit worrying that he's come from Deontay Wilder and not a promoter. You know, in all due respect to Deontay, I'm not sure he has that type of money. But again, I'm on the case. Joshua's going for it, Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. IBO. WBO. 
WBA. WBA. 21 professional fights, six world championship fights. Does that not show you what route I'm going in? So if you're talking about $50 million plus the upside, whichever's greater, that's just a massive, massive purse. So I don't see how they turn that down. We want the fight in the UK. We feel like Anthony Joshua is built and deserves to have his legacy-defining fight in front of the people that have come out and supported him you know, time and time Wonder. again. Both me and Nick are in the studio at this moment in time, just bopping from side to side like Cuba Gooding Jr. That's what we're doing right now. And all we're doing is saying this. Show me the money. That's right. Show me the money. What's that, Cuba? Show me the money. Show me the money. $50 million. The money's in the bag, according to Deontay Wilder. Yeah, but where's the bag? That's I don't the know where the bag is. It doesn't matter where the bag is. It could be a Wonga payday loan for all I care, mate. Let's do it. Let's get it on. $50 million is an awful amount of money. Yeah. It's a, it's a real offer. It's certainly enough to spike AJ's interest. It's certainly enough to generate all the headlines. But what's come of it now? We're like three days into mm. it and there's no been no follow-up. There's no, from what we gather, there's no contract to back up the 50 million offer. There's no small print to back up what he's got to do for the 50 million offer. I don't know, I think it's all gone a bit quiet and starting to get a bit concerned now. There's nothing more than a, a publicity stunt from, uh, from Deontay Wilder's team, who, to be honest... Deontay Wilder's never seen $50 million in his entire career. Well, this is it. Let, 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 let's talk legit about boxing, right? Because do you really need $50 million up front in order to make a fight? How many people get paid up front these days? Not even Floyd Mayweather gets paid up front these days, nope. you know? When he was making the big fights with the Manny Pacquiao's of this world yep. and he was generating $100 million purses, he was quite evidently paid after yeah. uh, the Lord Mayor's show. Well, he had you... to go out and sell it. He had to go out and make Absolutely. sure people couldn't miss the pay-per-view. Absolutely. It's like any business deal, I suppose. You go to the bank. I've got a business idea. Mm-hmm. This is my business idea. I think I'm going to make this amount of money. Then the bank manager will go, yeah, okay. I kind of trust you. I'll give you a little bit of a business loan to get you on your way. Tick, tick, tick. Crack on with it. And that is kind of what Deontay Wilder and his team are doing at this moment in time. They are anticipating making a certain amount of cash. Uh, by fighting Anthony Joshua, who is the golden goose of the heavyweight division. There's no question yep. about that. And they have promised him $50 million. Just in case you've been aware from boxing this week and you've no idea what's going on, they've promised him a minimum of $50 million plus the Guaranteed. upside. Now, what the upside means is that if they generate, obviously, more than $50 million, let's say they generate $100 million, he's still going to be guaranteed $50 million, which is a 50-50 split. But let's say if they do $120 million, he'll get an extra $10 million because they promised a 50-50 on top of that as well. All right, So he could do 60, could do 70, could do it could do crazy money. It could do crazy money. Yep. But it only does crazy money, Nick, in the United States of America. You are not generating that amount of money here in the UK, in my opinion. Because if you think about it, the pay-per-views, at the most, they can go to 25 quid. They've done that in the past for yep. the super, super fights. Yep. Normally, they charge you 17, 18 quid on the pay-per-views here in the UK, don't they? And on average, at the moment, AJ's doing approximately a million pay-per-view buys. Now, don't get me wrong. It'll go up for this fight because it's a super fight. Yep. I anticipate a few more, but I don't anticipate it to double or treble or quadruple. That's not what I'm anticipating. So, to generate the amount of money that Deontay Wilder and his team, Al Heyman, Shelley Finkel, all those types of characters that are involved with this, for all those guys to generate the type of money that they genuinely believe can be made in this fight, to guarantee $50 million to Anthony Joshua and to make a fair few quid for themselves, this has to happen in the States, if it is to happen. It's got to because 
that's the only place that could even possibly make that kind of revenue because the pay-per-view over there, as we know, started about $60. But usually for the HD, it's about $100. Yeah. Um, so it, it would have to be in the United States. This, But the problem is, mm. Deontay Wilder is not a pay-per-view star in the United States. Yeah. Anthony Joshua is not a it. pay-per-view star in the United States. That's it. Neither of these guys have been on big, have hit big numbers pay-per-view in the United States. Hang on, with that though. Never with, mind together. With that though, it's not a risk for Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua, that. They're not making exactly. the they're not making the wild accusation. Exactly, exactly. Deontay Wilder's why... making the wild accusation, mate. He's yeah. saying I'll give you fifty million dollars. And that's why in Eddie's defence, he was like, "Listen, we're at the table and we're ready to talk." They're supposed to have a meeting on Thursday. Got pushed back till Friday. Then it got cancelled on Friday as well. And you've got Al Heyman and you've got Shelley Finkel and you've got Wilder's team saying, "We give you a twenty-four hour deadline. Never mind about the meeting. You should have just uh, agreed to the fight." And they were like, "Well, you can't agree. You can't just agree to go. We guarantee you fifty million. Okay, but well, where's the contract? Never mind that." Do you want the fight or not? It's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like playground stuff. Um, and so I was hoping it would be followed up by a contract because, you know, we were all sucked in by the social media posts. We were all sucked in by by Wilder talking the big talk and saying it's on the table, the money's in the bag. Mm. The problem is nobody knows where the bag is. No. Is there a bag? We don't even know if there is exactly. a bag. Um, I've no doubt that this is going to run and run uh, for the next week at least because you may remember us talking about this last week. Uh, there are certain mandatories connected to certain belts uh, especially on Anthony Joshua's side, uh, on the W... Well, the, it's a little bit random, this, because the WBA mandatory is obviously Povetkin. They've got until May the 5th, which is next Saturday, yep. in order to uh, negotiate with Wilder or start sorting out purse bids with uh, with Povetkin. And then you've got regular belts where big baby Jarrell Miller fighting in the early hours of the morning. He could become a mandatory as well. It's all a little bit confusing. I get that. So if you're not a hardcore boxing fan, it might just be like, you're confusing me a little bit here, yeah, mate. Yeah. Just get me a fight. I just want to see a fight. That's all I want to see. Don't we all? And we're, we're with you. We're with you on that 100%. Hopefully, um, AJ Wilder can be made. And we will keep you up to date with that on TalkSport throughout the course uh, of uh, the upcoming week. Now, Speaking of heavyweights, speaking of mandatories, speaking of all sorts of random things going on where, with politics, Dillian White has been massively affected this week um, by the WBC. He's been called by the IBF as well. We're going to speak to him next to get the lowdown on his current situation. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Here comes White again, right to the side of the head, and then left to the body, brings in a right uppercut, and the ground sinks back onto the ropes. Tries to land the big right hand and he's out. Oh, he's gone down. Left hand from Gillian White. And Lucas Brown goes down. All the fans are up there. And he's down and he's out. And the fight's all over. Deontay Wilder, where you at? June, where you at, Wilder? Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! I'm ready! Let's get it, Deontay! Let's go! No more excuse. Forget Joshua. Joshua's not even ready in time. Let's do this. June, live at the O2. Let's get it. I'm number one, baby. Let's go. Let's go. That's it. Slowly becoming my favourite person in boxing, this guy. <laughs> Absolutely love him. He's uh, all right. He's right, though. He's he is right. Of course, he's right. Of course he's right. Of course he's number one. Uh, you are listening to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Nick Pete with me as well. Uh, Dillian White there, obviously, that was commentary of uh, probably the knockout of the year. Mm-hmm. Without any shadow of doubt so far, I doubt anybody's going to be able to beat that as well uh, as the uh, months tick on. Dillian White beating Lucas Brown a little earlier on and becoming the WBC uh, number one. However, we've run into a little bit of boxing politics this week, haven't we? 
WBC number one doesn't necessarily mean number one when it comes to mandatories, which is absolutely ludicrous. Unbelievable. So we got him on the phone. Now, listen, uh, Dillian is abroad at this moment in time, so therefore there's a slight delay on this. Uh, so do bear with us if it's a little bit jumpy. But, Dill, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, man. Enjoying the fun little downtime before the rest of start camp. Listen, talk to me about this nonsense with the WBC uh, this week. You are the number one uh, in their rankings. However, they have mandated Brazil for the WBC title against Wilder. He's number two. How can they do that? Ah, mate, I don't know if uh, the WBC, man, is just corrupt and full of politics, man. You know, it's one of the things as well has been a problem in boxing is, is corruption and politics. And, and, and it, you know, it goes to show you you just got to show you, man. You just got to show you. But then, just to rub salt yeah, in the yeah, wound, yeah, yeah. just to rub a little bit of salt in your wounds, my friend, they've then said, all right, then we'll give you a final eliminator against Ortiz, who's number three, who Wilder's just beat. Yeah, exactly. Wilder's beaten in an involuntary fight. You know I mean? Like, listen, when I lost that, it took me two years to build myself back up to title contention. So he's going to do the same. I don't understand. You know, it's obviously it's disgusting. It's borderline criminal what they're doing to me, to be honest. You know, but it's a shame because I've been loyal to. I've been, I've been, I've been in the WBC clean program for over a year. I've been, I've had since 2015 every single fight I've had involved in WBC fight. I fought for the WBC international in 2015 against Joshua. I lost that fight, and then every single fight I've had since then has been WBC fights. You know, WBC international, WBC silver. International WBC silver, you know, and um, I was already number one against the Brown fight, and then the, the fight with Brown was to, to secure the, the, the number one fight with WBC, you know, and it just it is a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. The the good thing, I suppose, in on your behalf is that you've done extremely well over the last couple of years, so therefore you're highly ranked with other uh, sanctioning bodies as well, my friend. And you've already been called for the IBF uh, with Kubrat Pulev. So are you taking that one more seriously than the WBC one at this moment? You know, I think the WBC, I think, right, the WBC needs to be responsible for the action because, you know, we've paid a fortune in sanctioning fees in the past few years, sanctioning WBC fights and, no, isn't that, isn't, the money is the thing, there's not a thing. I've been loyal to them. You know I mean? I thought, you know, I signed up to the WBC clean program when guys like David Hay, Joel Miller, all of those guys, all of those guys dropped to the WBC ranking because they didn't want to sign up to the WBC um, clean, um, clean boxing program. I yeah. signed up to I've done everything they require behind all the fights. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame that, that they, they can, you know, they're allowed to treat me like this. You know, it's just, it, it, it's a shame. So, I believe um, we should be either try and sue them or try and get at least a sanction and things back, you know? No, I agree with that, man. Like you say, they, they're they all right in taking, but giving back out, it's a little bit of a farce. And like you say, over the last few years, you've been extremely loyal to the WBC and worked your way up there to that number one spot. I just can't get how you can sanction the number two, Nick, as... No. As the as the mandatory challenger to the title, when the number one sat there, he's ready to go. Exactly, and absolute nonsense, especially when the number one has just won in the manner he has. He's mm. just won in absolutely sensational fashion. Mm. That, that, uh, that's the problem. That's the problem. The entire world that does not want it. He, he he said to me, "I can mess you around for two years and make you wait two years." You know, that's what he he says to me. You know, he DM me on Instagram saying that. You know, I mean, I can mess you around and make you wait for two years. You know, um, and listen, when have you ever seen a fighter? Lost against lost in the world title, and then his next fight, they're trying to get him to fight 
mandatory. You're trying to get him to fight a final limit to be mandatory for the title again because Deontay won the one easy fight. He already beat Ortiz, and he knows this one only beat Ortiz even easier. So worst case mm. scenario, which listen, I'll smash Ortiz to pieces, and I'm not scared to fight him. I'll take the fight, but you know what I mean. For worst case scenario, say for instance, again the worst case scenario, I get outpointed by Luis Ortiz, a close decision or whatever. Deontay mm. Wilder's got another easy fight. He beats Luis Ortiz again. Someone who just beat him just stopped. He, he doesn't want to fight me because he knows. If I fight Deontay Wilder, I'll knock him out. I'll snap his, his skinny body enough. You know, he doesn't want the body, kind of body punches and pressure I bring to the fight. He does not want that. That's exactly the talk that I want, Dale. That's yeah. exactly the talk I want on here. That's exactly it, mate. Listen, then, you're, you're currently away enjoying a little bit of downtime. We've heard that it's June, July that you're going to be back. Oh, two, mate. Is that still on? Is that date still on? Are you definitely going to be fighting on, in one of those months? Well, we're looking at a date in July now. Um, probably end of July, to be honest. The very yeah. end of July. Just waiting to find out what we're doing. When it's, it's always been very hard for me to get opponents my whole career. I don't understand why, because all these guys say, I'm terrible, I'm not a good fighter, I'm weak, I can't punch, I can't box, I'm slow, I'm fat, I'm overweight. But none of these guys ain't signing contracts to fight me, you know? Mm. Mm. Everyone's a crew of is better than me, get better than you, fight better fighters. We've been trying to make the fight for the last two, three months. Yeah. Still no fighting, they made it. I'm ready, I'm, I'm, I'm signed up, I'm ready to go, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, Dante Wilder, we've been trying to fight him for two years, mm. you know? But these guys don't want to fight, you know? We, I, I think the RBC, what they need to do is let me and Dominic Brazil fight, a final eliminator, and Dante Wilder have to fight the winner of that fight. I believe that's, a, that's the smartest thing that we need to do. Mm. Otherwise, they, they're going to get sued. Mm, I agree with that. Have you spoke? Have you managed to speak to Eddie about it? Because obviously, all this news came out um, all this week, and yeah, I'm guessing that you're aware. He's doing it in America. I think his yeah. lawyers and stuff is looking at the best option. Yeah, the best option, the best way now in 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 in, in, uh, in America. He's doing a little bit aloof um, away from the phone. I think obviously because busy with presses and and have bits and pieces and have easy is negotiating just for a while as well. So. He probably don't want to upset negotiations or whatever he's doing. So, um, and Joe Carl is in possibly tomorrow or something. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. He's saying the same thing. He's saying the WBC's out of order. You know, disrespectful to the answer because we've been loyal to them, spent thousands, thousands in country and fees. You know, I've had all. I've, like I said, two to two, two to the fifteen, lost with Joshua. That was for WBC international title and British yeah. uh, Commonwealth title. Uh, and and every single fight in WBC fights, I just I, I don't get it. I, I'm 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 beyond disappointed, and I, f- I feel like you know WBC. You know, I mean, the funny thing about the WBC is every single one of the heavyweight champions. I think uh, most of them are suing them. Then it's Lewis sue them. Yeah, yeah. And they tell sue them. They are sue them at some point. So that just goes to show you how corrupt they are. Mm. And both threw the belt in the bin, didn't he? Do you remember that? He did. Riddick both threw the belt away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With all this crazy politics, with all this crazy politics in front of you, Dillian, are you, are you, are you now thinking about you know what? Next weekend, you know, Bell, you and Hay do it all again. Why don't I go in that direction and earn some money instead? Get the British public going. Get the you know, go down a different avenue and leave all the politics behind. Are you starting to maybe having a little look at the, the wider oh. picture? The good thing is, I'm becoming one of those fighters that's just outside the champions who can pull a crowd and he's becoming a yeah. big draw. So, you know, um, it may be a situation where we might just have to have a couple massive domestic fights. So I bring a couple of guys over and have massive, massive fights that, that, that they, ain't, they ain't got no world titles um, attached to them, mm. you know? 
Listen, you deserve. You, listen, Dill, you deserve. You deserve the shot, man. You deserve the shot. Good best of luck with obviously all this stuff going on with the BBC. You're the number one. If they're going to call them mandatory, you call them mandatory as the number one. Dill, enjoy the rest of your holiday, pal. I appreciate a little bit of your time tonight. Take care, my man. And I've no doubt we'll speak again dead soon. Um, Dylan White on his holidays there. Hear the frustrating, frustrating well, and I'm voice. frustrated for him. Yeah, man. Because, like you say, he fought AJ a few years ago. <clears throat> WBC, I think he said it was an international. He failed there, but then every fight since then has been sanctioned by the WBC. So he's yep. he's, he's built his brownie points up. Yeah, he's built them up. He's got up to he's the number one. The WBC ranking state. Yep. Dillian White is number one. Yeah. So why have they called the number two as the mandatory challenger? But then look at look at Callum Smith at super middleweight. He's been the number one at the WBC since about 1987, <laughs> and he still hasn't had a shot at the still WBC hasn't had a world title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's still not going to get one because if he fights George Groves, that's WBA. Exactly. Oh man. But this boxing lark, eh? Who'd suffer it? Um, speaking of who suffer, is it? Uh, Martin Murray, he's had a few cracks at a world title. I'll tell you something, he's got the bit between his teeth for this yeah. one with Billy Joe Saunders, which is coming up in the not-too-distant future. He's going to be on the show next. Make sure you stick around. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. Martin's a tough, a tough, tough opponent. Um, he's been around the block. He's experienced and make the best of it. He's very, 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 very experienced. So I've got to be, I've got to be careful with him. I can't overlook him and... You know, I have to be on the game. I have to be on the ball because if I'm not, like I say, it could be uh, it could be a very tough night. Billy Joe Saunders speaking to TalkSport earlier on this week about his upcoming fight. The man that stands in his way is Martin Murray, a friend of our show, without any shadow of a doubt. And uh, this is how much of a friend he is, Nick, because he's currently at a wedding and he's decided still to come on the programme. Great, Tony. What he he heard that it was us and he thought to himself, you know, I'll get involved here, lads. I'll get involved. I'll I'll go and give him some... I'll go and give him some abuse on the show. That's what I'm going to go and do. I just said to the miss, I'm just going to go to the bar. I'll get you the yeah. drink, babe. I'm He's just... at the bar at the moment. That's what he is. How are you, Martin? You well, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And that's the uh, message who's phoning me now, wondering where I am. <laughs> um, you can just ring me now. Um, yeah, I'm at a wedding. Um, me uh, in-laws, uncle, Gemma's, Gemma's uncle, uh, and auntie. So, uh, so yeah, obviously not drinking because of because of training. So, uh, so yeah, they're all downstairs, bladder and I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm in room chilling out. You're yeah. being boring. Is about what it is, mate. You're being <laughs> boring. Yeah, That's yeah. it, mate. Listen, when um, obviously this fight has been rescheduled, we're anticipating you and Billy to do it in uh, in April. Obviously, he pulled yeah. out with an injury. I'm going to be dead honest with you. Me and Nick were sat here thinking, hey, yeah, this is a bit fishy, this. Yeah. Obviously, with what's going yeah. on with Golovkin and Canelo and all that type of stuff, it's a exactly. bit fishy. And I thought that yeah. you might have missed out on another opportunity to become uh, world champion there, mate. However, I'm delighted it's been remade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely oh. delighted. Oh, yeah. I mean, I made up. To be honest, I was thinking that myself. And, I, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know this, but I think the fight would have tried to get, uh, you know, got made. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think that. Um, but obviously, it, it's not happened. And I think the fact that it's not happened, I've been told that Golovkin wanted to fight on the 5th of May. Yeah. Billy Joe couldn't be ready for them. Um, so they went, no, the fight can't get made. And obviously, it's rescheduled. And that's why. Um, we're, we're carrying on fighting end of June, but I'm just just buzzing because there was a you know there was a period where I thought yeah I thought no the, my chance is gone yeah. but yeah like I said it's uh, it's happening now so very very grateful and um, yeah just just can't wait for it. Martin, the amount of people that I've spoken to since this fight has been made, right, that have changed their minds of how they think this is going to go, and I'll tell you the reason why they've changed their minds, right? A lot of us yeah. were watching Jack Catterall. Yep absolutely destroy his opponent within a round. 
They've gone yeah. up to Liverpool last week, seeing Tommy, Tommy Coyle, Coyle bouncing all over the gaff, putting in a career best performance. We switched the telly yeah. on, watched Frampton do the exact same thing, and we're thinking, yeah. what's what's the common denominator here? The water, the Jamie there's, there's something going on in Salford, mate. I tell you yeah. something, Sunshine. You must be absolutely bouncing in there at this moment in time. Oh, the the, the gym is it's on fire. Obviously, we went to uh, we went to Tenerife. Um, I think I got back here four weeks old and then the fight got cancelled but mm. went went over Tenerife had two weeks over there uh, they just all of us just got on like an awesome fight honestly the, 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 the way that we all was and you know we'd not, obviously never been in them type of uh, circumstances all living together yeah. it was all like you know there was there was there was me there was Tommy there was his mate and mate a man come over Jamie Nige uh, Jack the three Irish lads and we just we we just blended and mixed well, and we just had a top laugh. And obviously we 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 was laughing laughing hard, but you know we was training harder. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You no, know, we was all putting the graft in, but but you know we 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 did a laugh as well, and and that kind of like I don't know, just made it a lot easier. And we was just all buzzing, we was all buzzing off each other inside and outside the gym, and it was just just a good crack. And obviously we've got we've got back, and the lads have put them performances in, and you know I'm absolutely buzzing the gym is flying mm. and you know it, it's just you know like success breeds success and you know happy fighters yeah. at the end of fights and I think we proved that we proved that at the weekend and just myself and Rocky to go now you know in the, as in big fights you know Rocky Rocky's um, looking like he's going to be in a big fight soon and obviously I've got this so you know we just um, me and Rocky go in there and get them big fights and putting good performances like we know we're capable of and we know that we're going to do then obviously we can finish the season on a on a massive eye for for ourselves and for the gym. What do you what do you think? Obviously, you've obviously been with Oliver for a long period of time, and he's he's been poorly. So therefore, you have obviously come into this particular gym with with, with Jamie. What has he added to your game, mate? What are you feeling in the as you're doing what you're doing on a day to day basis that you're improving on? Um, you know, what? I, I think <clears throat> I think like I've spoke with Oliver because Oliver's back in the gym now. Yeah. Um, we spot, I mean, I still go down, and me and Rocky was down last week. We did a session with him. We still go down once a week doing a session, um, but we're speaking about going going back there more. And I, you know, I, I was just completely honest with him, and I just said, "Listen, Oliver, um, where I am now at this stage in my career, you know, I, I, it's my eleventh year as a pro. Um, this is mentally good for me. The change of scenery, you know, going to the gym, seeing, uh, you know." different people different characters and it's just it's just mentally good for me it's mentally fresh because um you know for the past couple of years now i've been i've been going to oliver's and 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 i've been struggling going there you know and and like when i started oliver's jamie was always there you know jamie was a fighter we looked looked up to he was european champion at the time and he was flying uh, he, he gave me some. He gave me the worst spars I've ever had. And I learned a lot off them. And and even when he retired, I've always been close with Jay. I've always gone and mess up with him for a coffee, you know, some dinner, just have a chat with him. And a couple of years before, um, obviously I changed gyms now with Jay. Mate. I was I was saying to I'd, you know me and Oliver's very close, so I'd just come and sit down and I was like, listen, oh, I'm struggling. Get up here, you know, motivation coming to the gym. You know, I'm, I'm finding it really hard. He was like, right, I get Jamie on board. So yeah. Jamie come started work, working with us, and he was coming. I was doing a bit with Jay once a week, and it made it just made it better for me. Um, and then obviously that happened with Oliver, and it was just kind of like the natural, natural thing to do. Go yeah. training with Jay, 
Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I've all, I mean, I've always, I've always been close with Jamie and obviously Nigel as well. Nigel was boxing when I started at Oliver's. And it's just it's just the, the last that we have. And the thing is now, it's like... I'll, like the, the, the it's like Jamie and Nigel really normally so like I, I, I've been a pro like I said 11 years now so when I go in there they just let me do my own thing warming up wise and then we'll get in and we'll do a little spot of hard work or we'll do a little spot of tactics and it's kind of not like a a, a plan of a, a complete boxing session mm. that you've got to go through which which you know what it's, it's that, that's really refreshing to me because yeah. I just like going there and and without sounding lazy because I because I'm not no. I get a graft more than more than anyone you, you you'll ever meet but um, I just like going in there now and doing what I need to do and getting gone yeah, yeah. sounds quite organic you know yeah, I mean? yeah 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 you know what I mean and 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 that's what um, that's what I can do and that's what I do when I go go, go with um, in Ashley with, with, with Jamie and I to go in there do what I need to do. Have a bit of a laugh and I get gone and then and and then that's my work done. Then, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely, it's man. Kind of the, the the fact that it's that type of session as well makes it a lot more appealing to me. The uh, um, but, but, it it must be mint as well. Um, again, I don't want to single any individual out in the gym particularly, but Carl Frampton's obviously a superstar in world boxing, and him being in that yeah. gym and achieving the things that he's achieved, and especially the performance he put on last weekend, mate. You must be sat yeah. there watching him spar, train, and picking up. And I know you've been doing this for a long time, but everybody can learn, can't they? So you might you're probably picking up stuff from him as well. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, I've been asked this a lot recently, and I've trained with a lot of pros over the years. But what Carl Frampton is the, the most naturally talented fighter I've ever uh, trained alongside of, and watched in the gym. And you know, I've always been a big fan of Frampton when I've yeah. watched him. You know, I thought he's a quality fighter. But when you train so close, you know, watch him. The little things he does, you realise that he, that he really is a special fighter, mm. and it's obviously you know it's a pleasure to train alongside uh, the likes of him. But it's just the old crack on the all, and it's like Tommy Call. You know, I was on about this again <laughs> the other day to somebody. You think of Tommy there up until six months ago, Jamie was going to re- retire as soon as Tommy retired. Yeah, Jamie was going to uh, re- retire from from being a trainer because mm. Tommy's been with Jay from the start, so. Tommy's been in that gym for four years and he's not had nobody trained with. Hmm. So now he's obviously he's got me there, he's got Rocker, got the Irish lads over, you know, Jack Catterall's come hmm. and the gym is absolutely buzzing now, but we're just all, we're all feeding off each other, the, the, the lot of us, and the gym is absolutely buzzing and, you know, I'd be, you know, I, I, I said this, uh, I said this in December when I said, when I said Jamie, I, I said, you know, the way that the gym is and the way that the gym was buzzing, I said, I won't be surprised the year that we're going to have if you're not training the year next year. No, go with that. Because the the, 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 way, the way that he's going um, with the lads, yeah, uh, the way that he's going <laughs> with the lads, and sorry me, Gemma and kids are just watching. <laughs> Gemma's waiting for a Bacardi. Come on, she's been waiting. She's, she ordered a drink half an hour ago, Mark. Where are you, lad? <laughs> Speaking of that, just quick, just quickly, I know that obviously yeah. um, I'm, I'm keeping up to date with Frampton on his uh, Instagram this week. He's been out in Ireland buying everybody bevies and all this type of stuff. I've had a few tweets yeah. tonight from people in St. Helens saying, listen, when Martin Money becomes world champion, he better get on the lash in, in, round our way and he better be getting the beers in. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, all I'm going to say, I, I, when I do 
win I'll be the first world champion ever from St. Helens so the air better be free <laughs> <laughs> good lad listen I'll let you get back to that party mate take care pal thanks oh, man thanks a lot Top great man. talking to you both take care Top Cheers, man, love, top you. man, Martin Money. It's an unbelievable fifth fight. Fifth time that. of asking. This is it. His fifth shot, and mm. it'll almost certainly be his last shot. So yesterday, incidentally, by the way, was the night he was robbed when he went to Argentina. Martinez robbed against Sergio Martinez when he should have become world champion. I'll never forget yesterday because it was my wedding anniversary as well. But I remember sneaking away at the wedding to watch Martin Money when he got robbed. He was robbed. He was robbed. He, he put yeah. Martinez down twice Absolutely. in his own backyard yeah. and and got beat, got beat on points. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Uh, anyway. Um, what a fight that's I'm really be. looking forward what to that a fight. really looking forward to it Billy Joe Stone is Martin Murray um, we'll have plenty more build up obviously before we get to that fight which is happening to you make sure you stick around and listen to uh, Fight Night on TalkSport <laughs> Uh, now then, every single week on Fight Night, we get stuck into the Hall of Fame and we induct someone, something, anything connected to the world of boxing. We've had fighters, we've had fights, we've even had a group of fans uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And today's a little bit uh, left field as well. It's not a particular fighter. It's something connected to the fight game that has caught my eye over the last seven days. I think we've seen the best and the worst of this uh, over the last seven days. Let me cast your mind back to this time last week. In the early hours of Sunday morning, there was a fight going on in the United States of America between Jesse Vargas and a certain Adrian the Problem problem Broner. Now, for 36 minutes, I actually quite liked Adrian Broner. I thought the lad can fight. He can do a bit. Why not? He's a four-weight world champion. Everybody starts to fall in love with him again. Then they stick the microphone in his face. Now, I'd love to play that interview for you right at this moment in time, but sadly, Matthew, our producer, said there's far too many bleeps and nobody would be able to actually understand what Broner has said in that interview. Then, fast forward about four or five days to our shows here in the UK, where Tyson Fury hosts a lovely press conference for the media, of which Nick was in full attendance of. And he gives... He could have basically got a standing ovation, could Tyson Fury, uh, with the uh, speech that he gave. Around about three minutes in length, it was. Absolutely tremendous. So this week's Hall of Fame, I am putting in men on the mic. That's what I'm doing. You've got to be good on the mic, haven't you? Whether you're calling somebody out, whether you're selling a fight, you've got to be able to do it on the mic to get me interested, haven't you, Nicholas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've had some crackers over the years as well. Um... I think the the sport's been rich with talkers in the last couple of years, especially, uh, especially in the heavyweight division. Mm. Tyson alone, but you know, Mike Tyson could rock a mic. Not always in the most positive manner, <laughs> but he could certainly rock a mic. And who can forget that that amazing Klitschko speech before the AJ fight, where he was talking about that USB yep. hidden in his dressing gown yep. and all that nonsense. That was so uncomfortable. Mm. But it was like car, car crash TV. You couldn't take your eyes off it. Well, if you haven't heard Tyson Fury this week. Literally get a standing ovation by the UK's press. Take a listen to this. You know, I can't, I can't say how delighted I am to be finally back in shape. Finally, set a date, because I was talking about it for a while, but everyone thought it was hot air, said I'd never get back. And it was really Deontay Wilder who spurred me on and gave me the ambition to return, because he said it, I couldn't do it. 
He said, definitely not Tyson Fury, he's done. And I was walking along the canal with my dog at the time. And I thought, you know what, I'm a fat pig, look at the state of me. I felt like jumping in the water and drowning. And um, I thought, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to come back and I'm going to knock him out. Especially for what he said about Mike Tyson, which wasn't uh, very, very tasteful in my opinion. And listen, when, when I'm ready for these guys in another couple of fights, I'm going to have a couple, a couple of warm-up fights coming back. And then we'll take on anybody. I don't fear any of them. They're all, um, they're all very good fighters and good champions. But I believe that with my, my talent and skill and confidence alone is enough to beat these fellas. I believe I could tie one arm behind my back and beat AJ and beat Wilder as well. And pick either one they want, left or right, to go behind the back. And that's how confident I am in my own ability. I'm not just sat here thinking, oh, I need a payday because I don't box some money. I don't need money. You know, when I had a lot of money, it didn't make me happy anyway. When Christmas is every day, I can guarantee, and I'm a witness to say this here today, it doesn't make you happy. Being active and content and having something to live for makes you happy. And my, my calling card is boxing, and I've been blessed and given a talent that not many other people in the world has ever, ever had. And I want to showcase that talent and put it to the best use I can. And I want to inspire others to, um, to come back. And you know, there's a lot of mental health problems out there, especially in sports. And I want everyone to know that if I can come back from where I've been, then anybody can come back and anybody can achieve their goals. And my goal isn't to win a world title in my first fight, but I just want to get back in there and dance beneath the stars, as I keep saying. And I keep, I keep painting this picture for Frank, and I keep seeing him smile and smile and smile, but we're chipping away nice and steady. You know, I've got a great team around me at the moment, great conditioning guy, great trainer, great everything. Everything's going very, very well, and everything's in order. I'm in control of my own life and destiny, and I hold my destiny in both of these hands. And um, I'd like to see the man who's going to stand in front of me and try and take it away from me. He better be good. Very good. And if he is good, I'm going to be better. And if he's even better than that, then I'm going to be more hungry than he is. And if he's hungrier than me, then I'll just have to out-heart him. And if he's got a bigger heart than me, I know he ain't got a bigger pair of than me at all. So, and I can go deep. Deep, deep, deep. When the well is dry, I can get a one-ton JCB out and start digging even deeper. When you totally think this is it, I'm done. I can keep going even further. They say I'm the Duracell bunny. I think I'm even tougher than that. I can go longer. 30 seconds, flash. (laughs) There's only one. There's only one Tyson Fury. That is what we've been talking about for such a long period of time. That is the colour that we need in the heavyweight division. Don't get me wrong. The respect part of boxing is one side of it, and I'm in full admiration of it. And it's kind of one of the reasons why I fell in love with the sport. But I also fell in love with the sport for the characters of the game, the Prince Nazim Ahmeds. You mentioned Mike Tyson earlier on. Guys that can rock the mic. The best of them all was obviously Muhammad Ali. He used to be able to rock it before fights, after fights. During a fight, he used to be able to do it. We need those characters in the sport right now to bring new eyes to the game to keep this growing we're on a great roll at this moment in time we are growing we are booming it's never been as good as this in britain at this moment in time and having that big fella back in the mix talking like that makes everybody smile and gets everybody excited about the possibility of a super fight with AJ. exactly and as a personality yeah he is controversial and yet he does rub some people up the wrong way um but Muhammad Ali did exactly the same thing. People now look back at Muhammad Ali, think he was whiter than white, but he was a very controversial figure throughout his entire career. Mm. Mike Tyson the same, Tyson Fury the same. Obviously, I mean, the skill sets are completely different, but the sport of boxing, certainly the heavyweight division, is far richer 
with a fit and active and a mentally strong Tyson Fury in the mix because we are now not just talking about one super fight between Wilde and Anthony Joshua and it's a super fight of this era maybe not a super fight in the grand scheme of heavyweight boxing history but of this era it's a super fight and you know what now we've got another super fight so Fury into the mix with those mm. two guys and um, we could be treated now to some of the best action from the heavyweight division from the next two years moving forward because there's three completely contrasting styles there as well mm. and three completely contrasting personalities uh, what I do like um, about Tyson Fury 2.0 is that he seems to have um, become a little bit more media savvy now Yeah. previously it was I'm Tyson Fury I'm going to say what's on my mind Absolutely. and a lot of those things that are non-boxing related let's be straight non-boxing related got him in trouble with the mainstream media yeah. and therefore we saw it a couple of weeks ago with the guy from ITV who was wanting to probe him and getting back on those particular and topics. Refused. And that were, that really put a smile on my face there, yeah. actually, because Tyson kind of understands that there's people out there, not necessarily on his side, there's a few people out there that do want to trip him up. Absolutely. I, for one, have always been one of those that, okay, we're all different. We've all got our thought processes. I don't agree with a lot of what a lot of people say, politicians, exactly. sports stars, whatever. Yeah. I just want to talk... Look at the political uh, beliefs of Muhammad Ali. I just... Controversial. Absolutely. I just want to talk about the sport. Absolutely. That's it. What is he? He's a sports star. Yeah. He's a heavy, former heavyweight champion, hopefully heavyweight champion once again. I just want to talk about that with him. And he's that penny seems to have dropped with him. Yeah. Which, is, which can only be a good thing. Of course. Plus, he's got Frank Warren in his corner now as well. And Frank's been around the block more than anybody. He knows the game inside and out. And he knows who to look out for and who's who's looking to trip people up. But I think with Frank Warren alongside him, these guys, they are going to go all the way. And, and inevitably, he's going to have to fight. AJ's going to have to fight Tyson Fury at some point because AJ calls himself the man. But to be the man, you've got to beat the man. Absolutely. Uh, plenty still to come uh, on TalkSport this evening right here on Fight Night. Barry McGuigan is coming up after your latest news. Do not go anywhere. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. If you've only just joined us, where the devil have you been? We've had an action-packed first hour. We've spoken to Dillian White about all this palaver going on with the WBC. Martin Murray's been on the phone having a chat about his upcoming fight with Billy Joe Saunders. And we've put in uh, Tyson Fury's speech into uh, the Hall of Fame. Action-packed. It will be available as a podcast for you. Make sure you're checking out TalkSpot. Uh, TalkSpot? TalkSports.com uh, <laughs> in the, in the uh, upcoming days. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show tonight, you can. 08717 You can text on 81089. And you can tweet me directly at Adam Catterall. Coming up in about 15 minutes from now, uh, we're going to be speaking to the Clone Cyclone himself, former WBA and lineal featherweight champion of the world, uh, Barry McGuigan, who is now obviously managing and promoting Josh Taylor. They announced an unbelievable fight for him this week against Victor Postol. Uh, dead excited about that. Uh, heading up to the SSE Hydro in Glasgow on June 23rd. Should be an absolute crackerjack. We're going to get uh, his thoughts on that in the next 15 minutes or so. However, right now, I know we do this, we seem to be doing this every single week, talking about Canelo and everything that's going on in Nevada, brushing yeah. stuff under the carpet. Uh, but I thought I'd bring it up again, uh, because this week... We're not talking hair follicles now, are we? we well, I've, the amount of people that have spoken to me about hair follicles over the last... The amount of 48, hair specialists. Oh, mate, are. crazy. For those that don't know, Canelo failed two tests. February. 
in February for Clembuterol, right? So therefore, he's received a six-month ban, which is an absolute joke, in our opinion. Yeah. Uh, Feb- backdated from February 17th through to August uh, 17th, right? Now, this is according to the Nevada State Athletic Commission, okay? They say that they've uh, followed it by the book. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now, anyway, um, as part of those tests, the blood and urine tests, they had her follicle tests. Now, uh, according uh, to uh, her follicle experts, <laughs> they tell us, uh, that um, if your hair follicle test comes back clean, that means you're absolutely you're, clean. You're absolutely clean. Your your uh, your excuse of eating contaminated meat in Mexico uh, stands up. It's a legitimate excuse. Stop! Why are you shaking your head at Nick? Just, wait, wait, you shocking. don't but you don't believe that he were eating contaminated cow? Do you not? Unreal. According to the hair follicle experts, yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> it's absolutely nailed on. Horses hair, probably. Um, listen, one man that is a, a hair follicle expert, or even uh, just an expert in general on things like this, is former uh, fighter, former world champion, Paulie Malanagie. Caught up with Paulie this week, who is now obviously a, a big-time pundit working for Showtime over in the States. He's been over in the UK uh, promoting Ultimate Boxer, which was on the TV last night. Um, and uh, Paulie has got some, let's just say... Um, proper opinions uh, on drug cheats. I started our conversation by asking him what he thought of Canelo's six-month ban from the sport. I'll be honest, I, I, I don't know what the future brings for this thing, you know. I will say this, essentially bodies have plenty of money. You know, they create 4,000 belts per weight class, you know what I'm saying? So they collect sanctioning fees from everyone. They can put themselves, the major strength, the strength sanctioning bodies, the, major, the big four, can really get together and really put a pool of money together to really put enough money for random, strict random drug testing all year round, 365 days a year, seven days a week, and, and, and on, on a regular basis. Right now you have VADA, which works with WBC and works in, with some entities in boxing, but it just doesn't have the money to test these guys on a regular enough basis, even if they are on the year-round testing pool, which, you know, people, people read, all oh, this guy's on the year-round testing pool. doesn't matter. I was on the year-round testing pool. I got tested once in six months. So... It's not that they don't want to. Vada wants to. Vada is a, is a legitimate company. They just don't have the money to. They need the funding. They need a big sponsor. They need a big corporate company to get behind them. And one of the sanctioning bodies could be that big company. That could be that big body. Anybody really could be. The, but really, the sanctioning bodies, it should be in their best interest to clean up the sport. And they don't do that. Instead, what we have here is a situation where Canelo has failed, and he's just, and I'm not trying to single out Canelo. He's just no. the, the man of the moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's actually guys I believe that have never been caught that are in boxing, even guys that are still fighting today, and guys that in general that have never, never been caught because the drug testing uh, protocol is so weak. You know, you had Manny Pacquiao who refused to take tests for four years. Under that testing program, under that testing, people came down on Floyd Mayweather for asking Pacquiao to test randomly for uh, in those in, during that time frame they said oh that's not the way it's been so why are you trying to change the rules under those particular rules that Manny Pacquiao was on at that time where nobody wanted to change them Canelo would not have failed today you know so as bad as it is today it was even worse back then Polly Malanagi, former world champion, talking to me a little earlier on this week. The full interview, by the way, will be available on the Fight Night podcast. He's got some very strong views, as he just started to allude to there, uh, regarding uh, Manny Pacquiao, obviously his thoughts on Canelo, uh, and thoughts on drugs uh, in the sport in general. And he kind of makes a decent point there, but part of my conversation with him, as you will hear in the podcast if you go to it, is it's all well and good testing, and it's all well and good catching. Yep. You've got to punish. Exactly. There's no point in get, in catching these dudes if you ain't going to go, right, all right, sunshine, you're out of the game. What's yeah. the point? I don't get it. Exactly. And, and you've tested 
and punished a Mexican former world champion before for exactly the same thing. Mm. Eric Morales got two years for it. You see, their argument would be, the Eric Morales argument would be is that that was under USADA. This is where the confusion comes from, Nick, right? So you've got all these different state athletic commissions in America. Yeah. Over here in the UK, we've got UKAD, which th- that's the one that looks after the Tyson Fury case. So Tyson Fury gets a two-year backdated uh, situation for res levels of testosterone. Then you've got, you've just brought up Eric Morales. So Eric Morales failed for the same substance as Canelo. Same substance, clenbuterol, right? He got a two-year ban, a two-year ban. That was through a different sanctioning body. You saw that looked after him on that one. I think it was sanctioned for New York, his fight, wasn't it? So the yep. New York State Athletic Commission. Um, Nevada have their own set of rules. In the actual Nevada handbook, it says if you're a, um, if you like a first time, uh, fail a test for the first time, first time offender, you'll get a year. But if you cooperate, you'll get six months. What does cooperate what does mean? mean? What does that even mean? What does that even They've mean? They've made these rules up. So it's their own rules. So if you cooperate, I tell so you what, was that I don't know what it means. Here's a hair follicle. I'm cooperating. I've no idea, mate. I'll test that. It's like this. See what comes it's back. like when you go to prison and you're you're out on good behaviour and all this type of nonsense. What is that? What is that? Because at the end of the day, you've cheated. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. See, what, what, what is cooperation? That you've admitted that you've cheated? Yeah, exactly. doesn't matter. The test tells me that you've it, cheated. It's the meat out my fridge. This is where they bought it from. <laughs> this is where they got me burger from. What I don't understand is they tested as A sample. And then they tested as B sample, yeah. and that still had it in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why have they now gone to test the hair follicle? They don't do that with anybody else. I've never heard that before. Oh, now we're going to test the hair follicle. Usually it's A sample, you've been busted. You can appeal, and we will test your B sample. Yeah. He obviously did that. He tested his B sample. I'm sorry, while it's less, it's still a trace. Yeah. You've failed again. Yeah. That should be it. That should be black and white. It should be done. All this hair follicle stuff that's come out this week, I think it's kind of outrageous, to be honest with you. And it's to paint a picture of a man in order to then su- support his excuses to how is. that is in his system. Exactly. And by the way, is. Adam, by the way, he's currently having an operation anyway, so we would have been out of action for six months while exactly. the operation done. So in reality, this suspension for six months has done absolutely nothing to damage Canelo 
in terms of his monetary returns from the sport, his position in the sport. Mm. He will come back in September, October, Mate, November, whatever they're it They're already be. negotiating. And he will still fight in a multi-million dollar pace. They're already negotiating Triple G Part 2 for September. They're already negotiating that. I guarantee that they'll actually announce that fight before the end of his ban, or even maybe on the day of his ban finishing. Yeah. They'll be telling uh, Triple G. I think it G. might be next May. I think, I think he'll fight someone else. I think they'll both fight someone else now, and I think he'll end up happening May 5th next year. <sighs> The whole thing is an absolute mess. Uh, for more on this, make sure you tune into uh, our podcast. You can download it. Just search Fight Night uh, on iTunes. You can get it from the TalkSport website as well. There's a full uh, frank discussion between myself and Paulie Malinaggi on drug cheats in sport. I've got very strong views, but Paulie's got even stronger ones. <laughs> uh, so make sure you go and get stuck into it. And I'm sure you've got your own opinions as well as to this whole thing regarding Canelo. Uh, you're more than welcome to contribute to the show. At Adam Catterall, get in contact with it. Uh, coming up next... Uh, we are going to speak to Barry McGuigan about his... Uh, I'm not going to say protege anymore. He's not a protege. He's a no. boy that's on the verge of a world title. Absolutely. It is, of course, Josh Taylor taking on Victor Postel. It's an absolute cracker. The Glasgow crowd's going to be bouncing. It's coming up next on Fight Night. You're listening to Talk Sport. Remarkable speed, turn of pace, punch placement, power. And although he's skinny, he looks like he's vulnerable, but he's not vulnerable. He's really brilliant at picking things up. The way he fights, the way he learns in the gym, what he does to middleweights, he breaks in everybody's ribs. Looks for that big right again. Oh, he's doing a good shot. Right hand from Taylor. I'm in a win-win situation here. You know, I've only had 12 fights knocking at the door on potential world title fights. and. You know, I can't, I can't complain with the start of career I've had. You know, it's just went from strength to strength. Josh Taylor said he doubted it would go the full six round, and it is over. But the Josh, Josh won't be too happy with that, believe it or not. He would have liked to leave it longer. Shane just analyses the opponents so much, and he knows what way to go. You know, in terms of um, tactics-wise, so it's been, it's, it's been awesome. His knowledge of the sport is unbelievable. Now then, there's a lot been going on in the world of boxing this week. $50 million offers to heavyweight boxers might have grabbed your headlines, but there's another fight that has been made that has seriously blown my mind. Hot. Red hot. Red hot is incredible. What? When it came out, when, when I found out about this this week, it totally blew my mind. Again? Having said that, though, I'm not surprised with the camp that Josh Taylor is connected to. Every opponent Josh Taylor gets, you think, what's Josh Taylor done wrong? No, no. Why are we trying to punish him? It's like, it's like Barry's trying to punish him. <laughs> trying to punish him with these real tough dudes. <laughs> uh, and quite apt that we've got Barry on the show right now. The clone cycle on himself. Barry McGuigan, how are you? You well? I'm great, Adam and Nick. Thank you for having me on. And I, I, it's interesting, your reaction to that. Because, you know, on, you get a, well, on social media, you get a lot of... Um, he was saying, you know, what, what, what's he doing? He's, he's really, he's really risking it. But here's the thing: it's a risk reward business. And and you know, do we back Josh Taylor? Do we believe that that we he's as good as we say he is? Is it just spin that we're talking? It, you know, it's not. I believe 100 percent that this kid is the best mm. light welterweight in the world. Terence Crawford has gone up to 147 pounds. Mm. Mikey Garcia's gone down to 135. It's wide open, and I'm telling you right now, I've got the best 140-pounder in the world. No Did... question about it. And, and, and I'm absolutely willing to put my money where my mouth is. And, you know, we've asked a number of guys, and we couldn't get fights. Um, 
but we have gone down the WBC route. I've spoken to Mauricio. He said this is a final eliminator. I will give the you know the the 100% sanction for this final eliminator, and the winner of that of this fight fights for the title. But it's a very dangerous opponent. Victor Postel is a very very um, you know, a ruthless puncher. And it's interesting, looking at his record with 30 fights and, uh, and only, uh, you know, 29 wins, but only 12 KOs. Yeah, so he's yeah. a very, very, he's a very hard puncher. And you look at the guys that he's beaten out in America and he sort of, he lives in uh, half the time in, in the Ukraine, half the time in Los Angeles. So he, he's he's a terrific banger. He hasn't lost his USP, which was his tall, rangy, you know, for the first time, Taylor's going to fight somebody at five eleven and a half. Somebody's maybe marginally taller than him, mm. so that's an, that's going to be a challenge. Someone who hits terrifically hard is a precision puncher, um, so these are all new challenges for him. But I'm telling you guys, I, and I said it a long time, this kid is one of the most talented fighters I've ever seen. He's so adaptable. You, you saw him against O'Hara Davis, and, and I know the matchroom camp. They're strongly favoured that they, their man would do the business against it. But we, we just knew that, that, that Taylor had the beating of him. And, and he, you know, again, I'm not saying something I haven't said before. I think he beats any late welterweight in the world. Well, as you, as you just rightly said, this division is wide open. Terrence Crawford ste- stepped up. For people that don't know, he stepped up. He was the undisputed champion. He's vacated a lot of belts. I don't think there's an IBF or WBO champion at the moment. There is a WBA, but there is a WBC, and that's the route that you're going at the moment. We've got, um, obviously, Ramirez and Progress, who are the yeah. champion and interim champion. They'll come together at some yeah. point, and then we'll have an overall champion. And this fight between yeah. your boy and Victor Postol is eliminated for that, right? Now, what I want to say yeah. regarding Victor Postol, because he is... Is the former champion of this belt. He's only been beaten by Terence Crawford, who me and Nick think he's one of the best on the planet. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yep. So, um, but what I will say about Victor Postel is that he will never have ever sampled a Glasgow crowd, Barry. So, well done no, to you for getting exactly. this in front of Josh's home boys. Yeah, well, I mean, look, just like O'Hara Davis, we, you know, we we outbid Eddie. We made him an off an offer that they couldn't refuse him. Put an offer towards us. We we want these fights at home for Josh because. We're building this audience. We're still in the process of building this audience. You know, we, we have to... People are not easily um, convinced these days. They want to see it, and unrightly so. They want to see that he's going to be involved in dangerous, you know, fights that are, are, have got jeopardy. And, and this is certainly a fight that has jeopardy, just like the O'Hara Davis fight. He, because of his record, because of the amount of guys he knocked out and you know, got rid of and all the rumours in the gym that he's bashing guys up in the gym, you know, top names and all of that. And we said, no, just, just put him in there. Let's, well, we're happy to take him on. And But we put that on in Glasgow. This is also in Glasgow. Mm. Ideally, we'd like to have gone to Edinburgh, but, um, you know, the Meadowbank's been uh, rebuilt um, and there's not a big enough arena there. And and quite honestly, the, the showgun didn't really work out for us. It's, uh, you know, without sort of making excuses, it just wasn't right. So the Hydro is a phenomenal arena and we'll have a stellar undercard including a lot of domestic level fighters and we'll have all our stable on for all of the best uh, you know, guys that we can from the, the area up there and the good ticket sellers. So you know, we're really hopeful that it would be a, a full sellout crowd, you know. I know Nick's a big fan of this, speeding along elite amateurs. Absolutely. He rants on about it all the time. There's no point in pussyfooting yeah. around with these lads that have got gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals at Commonwealth and Olympic Games. Get them in there with yeah. the big boys. And let's not, re- let's not forget, 
This will be his thirteenth fight. Yeah? Absolutely, he's been, he's been in real fights since he had double figures. Do you think? Do you think the sport has changed, Barry? Do you think the sport demands it, has, it now? Yeah, that you know, it, good it, enough. It, you, it, you know, it, you're ready. Yeah, I know. You're absolutely right. It's, it's a very interesting point because I, we were up at the Ken Buchanan um, uh, benefit night. He's got a foundation. They're trying to raise money to build a, a memorial uh, a statue. To him. He's still alive, by the way. <laughs> they want to build, they want to build a statue for him, and uh, and I think that they should, and I hope that they'll Absolutely. be able to generate enough more uh, enough money. And and Owen Smith, in conjunction with Scott Murray, who's a fabulous guy from the uh, from the Midlands, they put on a great great night. And Jim Watt was there, Missy Woodall was there, John H. Tracy was there, mm. and uh, um, th- we these had, are these are all uh, guys. Jim Watt and uh, and and Ken Buchanan. And the, the, the interesting thing I'm, I'm getting all these guys needed is, twenty and thirty fights. Barry to get near a world exactly, title, didn't he? Exactly. In actual fact, you know that John H. Tracy had 41 fights wow. before he fought Jose Annapolis for the world title. That is staggering. And you see, these kids, are, you know, they've got it easy. You know, and it's, you know, they're, he was saying, and I didn't want to disagree with him because he's been interviewed, and of course, and, you know, and Richie was doing an, uh, an interview with him, but I didn't want, uh, want to interrupt. But the game has changed in the sense that, you know, very few shows actually make money. It's very difficult to yeah. make anything work financially unless you've got television backing. So you've got to take chances with this, with these kids. And, and here's the thing, and this is, you know, the way cha- the training has changed and, and you have to take greater risks with guys. Taylor was a stellar amateur, 150 to 200 amateur fights. He was on the high-performance team for six years. Mm. You know, he was already fighting in the, in the WSB five rounds and you know, you know, we hit the ground running. We were sparring six, eight, ten rounds, and I knew that this kid we could we could move aggressively with him. And you know, we put him in with guys that were very, very good, and he was turning them upside down and just hammering them. And I just thought, you know, we can put. You know, I, I'm not stupid. I know that he can produce the produce the stuff in in sparring. He can also produce it with the competition gloves on. Hmm. And so we, we, we moved aggressively, and that's the way we're doing it. We've got young Lee McGregor at the moment. Lee McGregor sparring 10 rounds with three different guys. He's a phenomenal talent again. This is a guy that we will move equally as aggressively. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's another great talent. CBS, Chris Bellum smith is another one. Chantel Cameron yeah. wins the world title in five fights. You know, these are kids that, that, that have had you know, long and distinguished amateur careers that we can afford. There's no point in hanging around. And and the thing about it is, if they're 25 years old when they turn pro, you've got to go quickly. You've got to take chances. You've got to risk them. And, you know, if they're doing eight, ten rounds in, in, at a really good pace against quality guys in the gym, I know that they can, they're capable of fighting at, at that sort of distance too. We love that. We love that attitude. Let's get him in there. Let's get these big fights, and the people yeah, of Glasgow no, will no be loving it. Nah, no, me- no messing about. Let's get him up there to Glasgow. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, Josh, obviously, taking on Victor Postol uh, at the SSE Hydro in Glasgow. Should be an absolute cracker on the 23rd of uh, June. So make sure you check that out. Just a quick one before I let you go, Barry, because I know Shane's obviously working uh, rigorously at this moment with George Groves, uh, head yeah. of the World Boxing Super Series. How is he? Because I saw him on the pads on uh, on social media this week. Is he all right? Is the yeah. shoulder okay? He's How's he going? Start, he just started punching again. He's been doing a lot of ground groundwork and um, uh, you know fitness work and, and getting himself in a great... He's in great condition. He's just starting to punch now. 
uh, and he's, you know, I know that I don't know exactly what's going on. It's none of my business. I keep out of. I don't manage George. <laughs> I don't. I don't promote him. I just love. I love the guy. He's a fantastic trainer. He's a great. Uh, great guy to have around the gym. He inspires all the kids, and none of them can work any harder than him. And he's just a great guy, and I really hope it works out for him. I don't know what the situation is. There's a bit of him in hand, mm. and I hope it works. It would be stupid to go on without him. Be absolutely yeah. stupid. No, I, I agree. Mean, the, 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 the final is all about is all about him and Smith. And however long it takes, if it may, takes to the you know the middle of July, so be it. But let you know, let them have the fight. Those are the two guys that merit it. It's a bit like the cruiserweight. I know that um, uh, Usyk has yeah. injured his forearm, and that's put back as well. So why shouldn't they put it back to accommodate uh, George? Uh, you know, in, in in with all due respect to Callum Smith, no, absolutely, he's the he's the main man. You know, so it yeah. should be it should be there to accommodate him. It it would be a pointless exercise to have. You know, having come this far and spent all this money on the Alley Trophy to, to go ahead and have the final without him, it would just be stupid. No, I agree, Absolutely. mate. Listen, Barry, thank you so much for your time on this uh, Saturday evening. I'll let you get back to your night. Take care. Thank you, lads. Thanks, Barry. Bye-bye. Superb. Always great to speak to him. Absolute legend of the game, Barry McGuigan. Um, good to hear him talking that attitude towards Josh Taylor it's as brilliant. well. Speed him along. Get him cracking. Sport. Exactly. Get what him cracking. For? Absolutely. Uh, make sure you stick around. There's plenty more to come. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Cage Rage on TalkSport with Bellator 200. See the biggest names from around the globe in the epic MMA showdown. Go to bellatormma.co.uk to get your tickets now. Uh, Bellator 200 comes live from the SSE Arena Wembley on Friday the 25th of May uh, to celebrate. TalkSport is giving away four VIP tickets to one lucky listener. The card is stacked with Croatian legend Mirko Krokop uh, facing USA's Roy Big Country Nelson in an epic heavyweight showdown. Uh, just head to TalkSport.com slash win to enter. We'll get your tickets now at bellatormma.co.uk. Speaking of which, there's a Bellator event going on over in uh, Chicago. Uh, right at this moment in time, Gareth A. Davis is normally sat alongside me, but you know what he's like when there's an American trip up for grabs. He's on that plane. You don't have to ask him twice. How are you, mate? I'm very well, gents. Let me paint the picture. I'm sitting in media row in the third or second fight. The delightful Felice Herrick is in front of me with her handsome date for the night. I've got a media row replete with young reporters. Royce Gracie's just wandered by in a suit and the best judge in the world, Sal D'Amato, sitting just to my left. It's going to be a big night because even though they're way past their best, Frank Mir and Fedor Emelianenko are finally going to fight tonight. They're both really big names in the heavyweight division. Emelianenko is the biggest ever in the heavyweight division, the Russian. And, uh, you know, so those guys are, you know, kind of shop-worn in many ways, but it's like a showcase heavyweight bout for me um, with two guys that should have met a long time ago. Um, but it's been a really interesting week. Certainly around Fader, I, I know I sent you a link, gents, to uh, the FBI being around him this week. And <laughs> yeah, that was it's fascinating, Gareth. Wow, that was crazy. Yeah. Have we got to the bottom of it, Gareth? What was it all about? Well, I don't, I don't think that we are going to find out. I think it's part of a much wider and complex web mm. of FBI interviews with... Listen, listen unless there's some kind of erroneous, ridiculous explanation to it, but they have been back and forth through the week, I understand. It wasn't just a visit and an interview. They've been back and forth a few times, and they're kind of 
around. They're probably listening to me right now. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, but uh, you know me, I find it hard to be quiet. Um, but, 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 but the thing is, it's, you know, look, I think a lot of people would love to see a great fight tonight between them both. And of it, course. It, we're probably unlikely to get one. I, think, I don't think it'll go much beyond the first round. Fedor Emelianenko, you know, nine years undefeated as a heavyweight in this sport. Mm. You know, 2001, it's almost like eight, nine years ago. But, you know, he's an extraordinary legend. And Frank Mir is a real character. You know, two nights ago, Frank Mir was doing stand-up at the Laugh Factory downtown. Wow. I went to that. It was like, you know, I think MMA is kind of like modernizing in a lot of ways. And I think... I've, these older guys are capitalizing on the end of an era for themselves at a time when not just the UFC, but lots of other fight sports and all of, also our love of boxing. That's all booming at the moment. It's just a great time for the industry, you know. What I like about Fedor is that uh, he has the... Uh, he, he makes me believe that I could be a fighter, even though I'm rubbish at fighting. When I look at his aesthetic prowess, his body, my friend, I look at that and I think to myself, yeah, I look a little bit like that, so I reckon I could do a bit. <laughs> exactly he is there for the everyman but he's honestly I've been up close to him and I have interviewed him he's really tough to interview because he answers in Russian and you know he, he, he's not a talker but he's got an extraordinary aura and um, I mean I, Scott Coker's known him a long time the CEO of Bellator we've had on before and I, and I asked Scott um, at the media day a couple of days ago just how excited he is about this fight between Frank and Fedor and this is what he had to say gents you know, I've been uh, following their training through the digital pieces that we've been making and putting out, which have been amazing. And uh, these guys want it. You could tell they're hungry. Fader went back to his old, you know, training ground, Stereosco, which is about, I heard, a 12-hour train ride from Moscow to get with his old crew and train. And he looks in amazing shape. And Frank, too. Frank looks in unbelievable shape. So I, uh, I, I'm really, really excited about this one. Gareth, these big superstars like Fedor and Frank, I can only assume that Bellator have signed these guys in order to bring uh, nostalgic eyes to their brand and then hopefully be able to uh, showcase some of the younger talent on the undercard. So so who is there on the undercard? Who should we be looking out for? Well, there's um, there's a young lad starting his MMA career tonight, Dylan Dennis, who is one of the principal Brazilian jiu-jitsu partners of Conor McGregor in his training. Um, you know, he's, he's making his debut. He said if he wins tonight, he's going to be a co-owner of Bellator. He's, he's channeling his Conor McGregor at the moment, believe it or not. So, uh, you know, there's a brilliant featherweight called Emmanuel Sanchez who fights out of Duke Rufus's Rufus Sport, who I think is going to be a real dark horse in the featherweight division. And, and Bellator got a really good featherweight division. There's a, there's a kid from Ireland, James Gallagher, there's a kid mm. from Los Angeles, AJ McKee. There's a kid from California in Aaron Pico. And these guys are going to rise up together and have some really great fights in maybe 18 months, two years' time. Mm. And obviously we've got um, an exciting show on uh, May 25th here in the UK. Uh, you kind of touched upon it last time that you spoke to Scott uh, Coker that they are bringing, obviously, Bellator to the UK for that, uh, that major, major event. He obviously values the UK market extremely highly. Um, and what can we expect from that show? Because I know that there'll be a few fight fans listening, thinking to themselves, I fancy going to go and watch some uh, MMA and it's very rare that we get it on these shows. Well, look, the thing is, right, for them, you know, like UFC 200 was, Bellator 200 is extremely historic. And I think the fact they're giving it to the UK, it's not just a sign that they want to grow there, 
they, they are going to make a big announcement. I understand. I, can, I don't know the exact details of it, but, you know, I'm as close as anyone to knowing. And I, and I believe that they're going to make a big TV announcement around that event. Because you've said it, Adam, and you've yeah. said it, Nick, and I agree with you. And I say it's Scott Coker every single time I see him. There's Channel 5 there, by the way, which guarantees a huge audience for MMA at certain times. And uh, they're listening. And I think they are going to make an announcement move towards that. But, you know, Paramount um, is a complex organization. And when you've got big executives, not want to butt heads with each other too mm. much. But you know, you, you, you know, you know as well as I do that what the only way to build properly and people to get to see these great fighters is for the British audience to be able to see them, you know, on a, on a regular basis, not just our own fighters, but, but global fighters. That's what generated the first wave of interest in the UFC in England, because yeah. it was the fact that people could see these overstars. It wasn't about parochialism for once, yeah. you know. That's it. TV is critical. Listen, I know that you're close to it, mate. Get us a TV deal. We'll we'll do it. We'll take fight night to Bellator. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get it sorted, mate. Listen, last night, last <laughs> night here in the UK, they had Five Spike, yeah. which is obviously a Viacom uh, channel. They had the Ultimate Boxer on Five Spike. You know what I mean? So there's plenty of platforms. And I know that yeah, Viacom, Viacom own a lot of these uh, platforms. We need to get it live. That's the yeah. key thing. Getting the, these performances live, it will be wonderful if uh, Bellator London was was a live event, so therefore people that listen to our show can get to see what we're talking about rather than have to hear about it or, or, or see it secondhand via some YouTube channel or something. Yeah, I agree. But the thing is, you know, and they, they, they are quite daring and interesting. You know, like the UFC signed CM Punk, they've signed Aaron Chalmers for the, for the Bellator 200 event. And, and actually, he's not a bad fighter. He's a decent kickboxer. He was a scaffolder on the rigs in the North Sea. You know, and, and he's, he's, you know, had his way with Arthur Newcastle, <laughs> as he says in the tabloids. But that, anyway. that's a great signing, um, signing know. a celebrity like that. And he is a celebrity. He's got a huge social media he following. He, he brings new yeah. eyes to the yeah. sport, so it needs to be on the TV so people can see yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. But, but you know, at the same time as well, you know, it, it, it's, it's how people, are, uh, you know, it's brilliant promotion, I think. And yeah. like you say, Using these kind of things, using the old names, the big names, to generate, you know, a rival to the UFC is a really important thing for the sport. You know, I mean, that's why it's good that Frank Warren's got Tyson Fury, for example, you know, because he's got a bargaining chip there and Fury has protection in a certain way in in negotiational stakes. And, you know, because, I mean, I know I haven't got all night with you guys, but I've actually been really across what's been going on with Deontay Wilder and... um, Anthony Joshua as well. It's it's very complex that deal being made because there's so much kind of toing and throwing in very nebulous ways between the two parties that they it's it doesn't they're not joining well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 it's very confusing what's coming out of that. And it's I think it's about control. Um, but you know, I, I is, would Joshua be mad not to take a 36 million guarantee? To, to, to fight, that fight is easily going to generate £70 million, you know. Um, but will it grow bigger if they, you know, stretch it out and, you know, as, as many other fights have done in the past, that they end up being bigger in the end. But the risk with all these guys is that they lose. And right now they're undefeated, you know. That's the thing that annoys me the most about all this. There's too much stress on these undefeated records. Get in there, fight, and do it again. Someone loses, do it again. Exactly. Do it again. You know what I mean? There's, we, we, yeah, but for, example, like to... for example, I would pay to see Parker and Joshua again in two years' time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'd like to see if, if, if Parker progresses. I, I think you're right. I think there is a way that 
that, yeah. that some. I'd like to see Dillian White that, Joshua now. I think I'd like to see that fight again. Two years on, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a harder fight for Dillian, even so he's come on, because I think Joshua's got that much more control now in the ring. Yeah. I think he showed it against Parker. You know, um, the more I look back on that fight, you know, and it, you know, we were working very hard on the night. Yeah. You know, I've watched it back and. You know, they both really tried to box, and I really do. I'm still incensed by the referee who should have been hung, drawn, and quartered in Roman times. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Proper old no, school. would have been. He would have been. Yeah, he would have been. Listen, my friend, go on there. Uh, you enjoy your uh, Bellator evening. We will catch you next week because we've got Bellew hair, part two, uh, to get stuck yeah, into at the O2 Arena. Uh, you enjoy the rest of Chicago, my friend, and we'll catch you back in London next week. Don't forget, Bellator 200 comes live from the SSE Arena, Wembley, on Friday the 25th of May. Uh, to celebrate, TalkSport is giving away four VIP tickets to one lucky listener. The card is stacked. Croatian legend Mirko Kokop uh, facing Uf, uh, sorry, USA's uh, uh, Roy Big Country Nelson in an epic heavyweight showdown. Just head to TalkSport.com slash win to enter or get your tickets now at bellatormma.co.uk. Coming up next on TalkSport Fight Night, I've just mentioned it there, we are going to be speaking about Bellew Hair Part 2. Cage Rage on TalkSport with Bellator 200. The epic MMA showdown coming to Wembley this May. Go to bellatormma.co.uk to get your tickets now. Why did that happen? Was it just bad luck? No, it wasn't bad luck, you know. Every, every, every action has a reaction and you've got to make sure that the reaction is the right one. I remember the last time we was here and your exact words to me was, enjoy your 15 minutes. But I suppose you've got selective memory and you forget saying that now as well. Yeah. But they were the words you said to me. Okay. It's amazing how the coins flipped because now you're in that position. You chasing me. You're the one, you're the one chasing me right after the fight. I after, didn't the PJ, after the BJ Floyd's fight, you're the one who kicked at me and forced the Why? fight. Not even injury saves you this time. Nothing saves you. This is, this, is, this is it. More rounds of sparring, more pad work, more technical sessions. So um, I feel on May 5th, you're going to get yourselves a very, very good version of, of me. I do understand how the complete U10 is coming out. Basically, what these guys have done is they've stuck a muzzle on a wounded animal. Stop it. Just stop it. Humble. He's about as humble as Madonna. I believe with, with the stuff that I've been doing, he'll need to be superhuman not to get knocked out. He'll need to do something so, mu- so much far superior to what he did in the first fight. He's a better fighter than me. He'll go down in history as a better fighter than me. Doesn't mean he can beat me. I've beaten better fighters than me. I've beaten guys quicker than me. I've beaten guys stronger than me. I've beaten guys bigger than me. All the action live on TalkSport. Myself and the bomber Tony Bellew go toe-to-toe. Do not miss it. There you go. David A said it himself. Next week. We are live and exclusive from the O2 Arena. Make sure you come and join us for Tony Bellew versus David Hay, part two. John Rowling and Glenn McCrory will be on comms. Joining myself and Gareth Day Davis, Adam Booth uh, will be alongside me, a man that used to train David Hay, so it'll be quite interesting to get his thought processes. Make sure you come and join us next Saturday night, live from the O2 Arena. Now, I've just been saying to Nick during the break there, first time round, me and you both called what, well, not exactly what would happen. We didn't think that David Hay would get injured, yeah. but we both called Tony Bellew winning. Now, my judgment was based off spending time with both men. Spent time with Tony, could see the fire in his eyes. Spent time with David, could see that maybe he was taking it a little bit lightly, thinking yeah. to himself he's, he didn't really rate Tony, he was going to cruise through it. And I thought, that's a dangerous thing because Tony Bellew can whack. And he yeah. might, you might get yourself in a little bit of bother if that's your attitude. 
Turns out Tony Bellew wins the fight. Now, I haven't spent as much time with either men this time round. You spent a bit of time with Tony this week. Talk to me, my man. What, yeah. What's he sounding? What's he feeling like? I was with him on Friday. Then I was with him again on Monday. All right, show off. And uh, you moving he, in? He's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's he's completely focused on this fight. I think he's, um, you know, what reading between the lines. I don't know where he thinks his next step is after this fight. But right here, right now, he's only got David Hay in front of him. I think he's one hundred percent focused on David Hay, and I think he's desperate to prove to the world that. Regardless of the injury last time, he would have won the fight, and the fight was playing into his hands. You had a little bit of a chat with him. Uh, what type of stuff were he saying? Um, it was great, actually. We had a chat more more about what moves on next, and obviously, um, you know, I asked him the big question on everyone's lips: is Would he fight Michael Bisping in the cage? Yeah, Bisping can talk. It would. I'd love it, and you know, I've got all the respect in the world for Bisping, so it wouldn't it wouldn't cross over and be a nasty version. I'm pretty sure it'd be just fun. But uh, mate, I'd turn his lights out. He'd just go fast asleep. He would just go cocos and immediately. If I hit someone with four ounce gloves on, mate, it's naughty. We know he's a massive fan. We know he's a massive <laughs> he fan. He loves of the USC, which is why we got onto that yeah, conversation. We know he's a course. massive fan of that. Um, do you think he's being serious? Do you think he would go and have a Absolutely. little bit of not with uh, Bisping? Absolutely. You know, he, he said, he, you know, he knows the sport. He said, I would never ever step in the octagon to fight John Jones. But Michael Bisping's a stand up fighter. And Michael Bisping would be a great legacy fight for us both to, you know, Peter down with our careers. He was 100% serious, make no mistake. But his eyes are firmly focused on what's happening next week. I hope so. You know, he says that he say, he's saying all the right things. Obviously, David Hay is saying all the right things, and we expect that. And obviously, in the final week of build-up this week, I'm sure they'll both. Um, that I think the guards will both come down. Do you think get a little bit more ugly again? Do you think there'll be a bit more of a rev? I think so. Of course, it will. Yeah, I think eventually David Hay. David Hay's not co- comfortable in media engagements. We've seen his guard fall down before. We've seen this, and I think this facade he's got at the moment about being quite. You know, respectful of Tony. I think we're going to see that fall in the next couple of days, and I think it'll go back to the way it should I be. I hope so. And the fight will do that as well. I, I hope the so. The fight will revert to type. I think. Well. I think the first time caught everybody's imagination when they had their first press conference in Liverpool. There were a bit of back and forth there. Then they yeah. had a full week of media, didn't they? There's a full week of media lined up for this week, starting in Liverpool on Monday. Hopefully, we're going to get to see something because, as I've said on many occasions on this show, yeah, it's, it's nice to see fighters be respectful with each other. Um, and sometimes I don't lose my interest in a fight when fighters are respectful, i.e. AJ Klitschko. I was always interested in that fight. They didn't need to go crazy. But certain fights, I think, kind of need a little bit of needle, need a little bit of nastiness, and it's quite obvious to the fans looking in on that fight, Tony Bellew and David Hare don't like each other. No. So let's have it. Let's not pretend. Let's not share cans. I think from Bellew's perspective as well, a cool, calm and collected David Hay is far more dangerous than an irate, angry, someone who's trying to prove a point David Hay Mm. as the first fight proved. He needs David Hay to come out swinging. But if David Hay turns up and he's like, he was just over 15 stone Mm. and he's cool, calm and collected, Tony Bellew's going to be in a lot of trouble next Mm. weekend. Um, And I think David Hay appreciates that as well. I've seen him on a few TV shows. I watched him on Soccer AM, actually, this morning as he he rocked up there. And he was talking about just staying cool, staying calm. So this week will be our Bellew trying to poke the bear, trying to rattle him. That's what we'll see in this week of build-up. I guarantee it. And there's nobody better at poking the bear (laughs) uh, than Tony Bellew, as we have seen on many occasions down the years. When he wants to get under somebody's skin, he is the master being able to get under someone's skin. It's just going to be interesting to see where David Hayes' head's at, whether he can stay away from the emotion of the fight. Because let's be honest, from a David Hayes point of view, this is it. Absolutely. You don't 100%. win this fight, that's Gone. the end of the career. Absolutely. Where does he go from here? There's no other option after this fight. If he loses a second time to Tony Bellew, 
there is literally nowhere else for him to go in the sport. Mm. Nowhere to go. So, and I think you'd like to think David Hayes is intelligent enough to realise that. But to realise that, he's going to have to turn back the clock five years, Adam, to, and reproduce something that he's not done for a long time. Mm. And that's come through a training camp 100% fit and 100% focused. If he turn, if the very best David Hayes turns up, I think it's a tough night for Tony Bellew. But the point is, we haven't seen the very best David Hayes in a long time. Since he was 31 years exactly. of age and he's now the best part of 38. It's going to be uh, an interesting night next week. Live and exclusive on TalkSport. Make sure you come and join us. It isn't just about Bellew Hay too, by the way. There's a fantastic undercard of which you're going to be able to hear. I know we're running out of time on tonight's show, but I just want to touch upon one world title fight. Paul Butler, hopefully, <sighs> regaining his uh, IBF bantamweight crown. What, what he vacated, by the way, ages ago, mm-hmm. uh, against uh, a kid coming out of Puerto Rico. They're calling the mini Miguel Cotto in Emmanuel Rodriguez. It's an unbelievably tough fight. Absolutely. It's not a gimme. If you're just looking at those names and you don't know who Rodriguez is, but you've heard of Paul Butler and you think he's going to walk over this kid, it ain't that case. It could be, could be fight of the night. Could be fight of the year. Could be actually be fight of the year. And you know what the added incentive for these two guys? Not just the world title belt, but mm. also World Boxing Super Series are going to announce bantamweight in a couple of weeks' time. Whoever's got the belt is going to go in as a ranked bantamweight into a tournament that will earn these guys more money than any bantamweight's ever seen. Mm. So the incentive is there for both of them. Mm. Tough fight, though. Tough it is a very Paul tough Butler. fight. And I hope that Paul does come through it, because if you think about it, that World Boxing Super Series bantamweight's could be something special. You've got Tete, who we all highly rate, who was beating Paul Butler previously in a yeah. different weight category. But you've got, hopefully, Paul Butler comes through, Ryan Burnett coming exactly. through. You have to ask Adam Booth about that next yeah. weekend, see where they are on it. Jamie McDonnell, uh, Inouye from yeah. Japan. I mean, the bantamweight is on fire at this moment in time. Uh, and hopefully, Paul Butler can get his name in that mix, live and exclusive on TalkSport next week. Uh, make sure you come and join us. It should be an absolute cracker from the O2 Arena. Uh, thank you very much for your time tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you've only just joined us for half of that show, it is available on podcast. And don't forget, there's an extended interview with Paulie Malanagi on the podcast, which you can download. Uh, from the TalkSport website and from iTunes. Uh, But failing that, we will catch you next week at the Auto Arena. This is former uh, fighter, former world champion, Paulie Malanagi. Caught up with Paulie this week, who is now obviously a a big-time pundit working for Showtime over in the States. He's been over in the UK uh, promoting Ultimate Boxer, which was on the TV last night. Um, And uh, Paulie has got some, let's just say, um, proper opinions Welcome to the UK, Mr. Polly Malinaji. How are you, fella? I'm good, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, every time I see you, I always smile because you remind me of that time when you were on Ricky's undercard at the Etihad and you had your hair cut in the ring, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Some memories for me, too. That's a proper barber, that, getting your hair cut whilst you're fighting. <laughs> it is. It is a proper barber, except that it wasn't my barber, so I don't know how good of a job he did. Uh, listen, you're here for the uh, Ultimate Boxer, which is happening in Manchester on Friday. You're an ambassador. Uh, tell me where you got involved. Um, I got involved for a few different reasons. Obviously, Ben Shalom, the, the man behind the, the whole operation, is a very goal-oriented guy. I saw he had a vision. I saw he had a, um, something in mind that I think he could bring forward with his connections and with his ambitions and with his passion. And, I, and the way he talked to me about it, the way he was uh, uh, brought, it up to, brought it to my attention and just the things behind him and whatnot uh, really caught my it, it, it caught my interest. It piqued my interest. And so, um, you know, I, I, uh, when we started speaking a little bit more, I said, you know, this is somebody I can get involved with. You know, I, I more so than rate the ideas, I rate the people. You know, and and when I see somebody who's a goal-oriented person, you know, I um, I, I try to you know be more open-minded towards them. You know, because I feel like goal-getters and goal-oriented people aren't aren't as common anymore these days. You know, so uh, you know, I saw Ben was that kind of person, and then obviously the uh, the 
the subject matter in and of itself, which is the tournament style boxing. Uh, young fighters getting an opportunity to kind of showcase themselves. Maybe young fighters who maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity uh, before beforehand. You know, prospects, undefeated guys, just looking for that break, that TV moment, or that just that opportunity that maybe they're they're flying right below the radar, and then which tends to happen to a lot of prospects. You know, I've seen it happen uh, to many guys when I was coming up the ladder as well. You know, so guys that had been the amateurs with that were having trouble, you know, getting the exposure and whatnot. So I know this tends to happen all the time in every generation. So I thought to myself, wow, you know, this is a bit risky for these kind of guys, but it's the opportunity they've been looking for. Sometimes in a career, you know, there's a time and a place to finally take that risk. But for fighters, for certain fighters, they don't have that time and a place. You know, they have to go, you know, kind of go get get thrown in a little bit earlier. And I think this kind of tournament is that risk moment, you know, where you're going to fight all fellow prospects undefeated in this particular situation or good records in any situation. And then um, you try to bring your name up the ladder and you try to kind of try to separate yourself from the pack, you know, and, and maybe get the media's attention, get the, some other promoters' attention or whatnot. So so I think uh, uh, the, the combination of those things really uh, grabbed my attention and, and uh, I really liked it. Key word that you used there was that these lads are all undefeated. I think there's too, from my point of view, there's too much stress these days on keeping an undefeated risk record, not taking those risks, and that's what I like about this particular tournament. That sometimes you've got to put your cojones on the line, haven't you, if you're going to kick on and get that exposure that you've just been talking about. I, I agree 100% there. There's a, there's a both a, a pros and cons to that. Here's the thing: with prospects, a lot of times if they take a loss or two. The media is quick to write them off. So, unfortunately, um, everybody talks about, oh, there's too much stress on our undefeated record and whatnot. The problem is, and I'm not saying you in particular, but the media... You can say, say me in particular but the, if you want. But the media in no, general are the ones that have that have put so much, so much stress on, on the undefeated record. The media in general are the ones that have, as soon as there's a few losses on a guy's record, they say, well, this guy's got this many losses. Why is this undefeated guy fighting him when he should be fighting this top guy, you know? And all of a sudden, the guy with a few losses becomes unimportant or becomes not as important because they, they'll actually criticize another top fighter for fighting the guy who had a few losses on his record, even if that guy may be good. So all of a sudden, the media has created a monster. And of course, what do the fans read? The fans read and listen to what the media says. And before you know it, you have guys who have had a few losses and now are, are kind of unimportant or whatnot. So it makes it tougher to do business when you take some losses. So I, I believe me, I'm all for the old days when, you know, even losses didn't matter. You know, you'd put guys right back in and they'd fight and, and they, if they were entertaining, they'd make money and whatnot. But unfortunately, the media was different back then than it was to, than it is today. You know, today there's been this, this stress, this input on and this undefeated record and, and the fighters are just going to react to it. Now, in this particular situation, it's a bit different. Why, why is it a bit different? Because you have fighters that have not had the opportunity or not, are, are kind of starving for the opportunity to showcase themselves a little bit. Maybe they haven't had the connections to get on television. Maybe they haven't had – maybe they don't have the – the friendships in the right places to to get them in the right fights to put them in the right situations or whatnot. So this is sort of the fast forward button, as if for anybody that remembers the VCR days, you know, the fast forward button where you can just you know kind of skip right. Not I wouldn't say to the front of the line, but skip fast to a faster part of your, uh, of a bit further in your career in one night because you know you're taking such risks that probably wouldn't be necessary for a, a regular prospect in your situation who maybe has the contract deal with a big promoter or whatnot, you know? So this is the risk that these guys feel they're taking is necessary. It makes it entertaining for the fans. It's always entertaining for fans when undefeated guys fight each other or guys with good records fight each other. But more so than that, I'll tell you another thing. When you have youth involved and guys haven't, haven't made it yet to the big time, 
there's that extra passion to win these fights. So I think that's the, the most fun thing about Ultimate Boxer is you're not just you don't just have the undefeated records here. You don't have you know, it's not a bunch of older guys just looking to make a quick check. It's actually a bunch of young guys who actually want a career out of this. So there's not this isn't a quick check for them. This is obviously a check, but it's a situation where they realize they can chase their passion and chase their dream a bit better if they can be successful on this night and they're all up against each other so they're going to be fighting with skill determination and passion and that's what I like to see when I watch, when I watch fights we, uh, we obviously love the boxing element of this being boxing fans but with it booming so much in the UK, it's important that uh, promoters take advantage of maybe the new eyes that are coming to the sport. So, again, with the Ultimate Boxer, it's a little bit of a different format. There's some different entertainment yes. aspects because at the end of the day, this is an entertainment business. Yes, yeah. I know it's a sport, but it's an yes. entertainment business, isn't it? Yes, and that's where Ben Shalom comes into play. You know, the, uh, the, the man with the plan, the man behind everything. You know, I think he's been the guy to, with his youth and his, his uh, the thought process of the new generation, you know, something I don't have, you know, to, through the... You're saying you're looking, young man. You're looking I'm good. trying to keep as young as I can. <laughs> But I can't keep up with these young guys, you know. So, so you know, he's he's got the youth. He's got the uh, um, just just really just the way the world functions in modern times with uh, the streaming and 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 just with what young what the youth what kind of brand the youth will chase. You know, you're not trying to attract my age group. My age group pretty much watches boxing and watches that, but trying to attract that younger age group where you know you're you're looking for something that you know is going to grasp their attention. And so you, it's got to be a bit more entertainment. It's got to be a bit of a different spice. So to speak. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but Ben, who is more in touch with that side of that generation, you know, he's the guy. He's the guy with the plan, and and if he brings, if he's able to pull that off, he's bringing something to the table that really. A lot of things in boxing haven't, a lot of people in boxing haven't brought yet, you know, because, you know, boxing's kind of set in its ways, and it's an old-school sport, and it's set in its ways, and it's and has its successes in the way it does things. But, of course, you always got to be willing to change the times, and maybe Ben brings something that maybe other promoters can uh, uh, look at and say, hey, maybe this worked, or maybe this doesn't work, you know. Uh, I think Ben, with his youth, uh, has an opportunity to really bring in a newer generation. Uh, not that they were trying to steal a generation from anybody else's sport, but, of course, make them fans of boxing as well. No, absolutely. Man. Uh, away from the ultimate boxer I just want to commend you as well for your, your your views over the last week or two on the whole Canelo situation mm-hmm. because I've seen so many boxing journalists kind of wanting to maybe brush this under the carpet but it's a very serious issue in sport we've had it happen on, on, on a number of occasions not just this year but over, over the years where people have failed tests and then all of a sudden they get a slap on the wrist and then they're back fighting again what's it got to take for for example Nevada State Athletic Commission New York State Athletic Commission to get serious and would you maybe condone or, or promote an overriding body for things like this rather than all these individual athletic commissions getting involved and giving their own uh, thought processes on what should happen to fa- fighters that fail tests. I'll be honest, I, I, I don't know what the future brings for this thing. You know, I will say this, the sanctioning bodies have plenty of money. You know, they create 4,000 belts per weight class. You know what I'm saying? So they collect sanctioning fees from everyone. They can put themselves, the major strength, the strength sanctioning bodies, the, major, the big four, can really get together and really put a pool of money together to really put enough money for random, strict random drug testing all year round, 365 days a year, seven days a week, and, and, and on, on a regular basis. Right now you have VADA, which works with WBC and works in, with some entities in boxing, but it just doesn't have the money to to 
test these guys on a regular enough basis, even if they are on the year-round testing pool, which, you know, people, people read, oh, this guy's on the year-round testing pool. It doesn't matter. I was on the year-round testing pool. I got tested once in six months. So it's not that they don't want to. Vada wants to. Vada is a, is a legitimate company. They just don't have the money to. They need the funding. They need a big sponsor. They need a big corporate company to get behind them. And one of the sanctioning bodies could be that big company that could be that big body anybody really could be the, but really the sanctioning bodies it should be in their best interest to clean up the sport and they don't do that Instead, what we have here is a situation where Canelo has failed, and he's. Just, and I'm not trying to single out Canelo. He's just no. the, the man of the moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's actually guys I believe that have never been caught that are in boxing, even guys that are still fighting today, and guys that in general that have never, never been caught because the drug testing uh, p- protocol is so weak. You know, you had Manny Pacquiao who refused to take tests for four years. Under that testing program, under that testing, people came down on Floyd Mayweather for asking Pacquiao to test randomly for uh, in those in, during that time frame they said oh that's not the way it's been so why are you trying to change the rules under those particular rules that Manny Pacquiao was on at that time where nobody wanted to change them Canelo would not have failed today you know so as bad as it is today it was even worse back then okay so I don't I don't um I don't condone any of this you know what I'm saying I don't I I really I, I I think you have to push forward not backwards you know and so I think there's small steps have been made since those days to this because like I said the drug testing has become a little bit more random now and and otherwise Canelo would not have been caught he would have been in the same situation Pacquiao was in a few years ago which I'm going to talk about Pacquiao like he failed even if he didn't fail because from my belief 100% that he was on stuff um nobody goes through 10 weight classes in their careers (laughs) half of them as an adult you know so so I um I'll say this, you know, I think that it's a, a situation where you need money behind this, and only the sanctioning bodies have that kind of money, I believe, to to really push this forward. And it would re- it would really be a great thing if they were. Uh, it's got to be uniformity with the punishment, though, hasn't it? Because we're catching them. Well, that's we've, the thing. We've got to well, that's the thing. Once you do that, once you're spending money, you're gonna. You, 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 I think you want to then punish correctly. You know what I'm saying? You're not spending money. You know, then you're obviously not about catching guys and punishing them correctly. And why is that? Because I said Canelo should be on a six-month ban. And I said Canelo should be on a six-month ban. It's fine. He's on a six-month ban now. And and that should be fine as long as he's on a two-year probation period where the drug testing is more random, more strict, and more often in the next two years. If you do that, then the six-month ban is fine. If people say, oh, the six-month ban is not enough. Okay, you know what? I'll tell you how you make the six-month ban fine. That's how you make the six-month ban fine. And if at all during those next two years... He fails at all during that probationary period where he's being strict, strictly tested randomly often and, 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 and regularly. Then he gets another two- or three-year ban on top of that. Yeah. See, these people don't want to risk that. They don't want this guy to fail. They want, they need to because pre- he makes too much money for they the need to pretend. They need to pretend that they want to catch him and, and they, they punish him. This is, a, this is just a washing their own hands of this situation. That's all it was. This was just a, a kind, of like, uh, kind of like in the Pacquiao days always say, no, we do drug testing. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Well, it really wasn't. You know, it was, but it really wasn't. You know? So, so it's, 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 it's a little bit uh, over the top.